I'm not in competition with God. I can tell you he's already worked. He's already moved. He has already touched in a powerful way, but perhaps he is not done tonight. If you will help me, I will just try to touch some of the highlights of the message that the Lord has laid upon my heart tonight that it may minister to you. This is just preparation. We're just warming up. Next Sunday night, next Sunday morning, Sunday night, Evangelist Josh Herod is going to be here, and I'm expecting God just to pour out in a powerful way. What we are already experiencing will be multiplied. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 12, And it was told to King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom, and all that pertaineth unto him because the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. I believe the glory has already entered this house tonight. Turn to two or three people around you and tell them we need the glory. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. <clears throat> the history of Israel is replete with stories of victory, stories of overcoming overwhelming odds, mighty miracles, supernatural happenings that God did for them. You don't have to read your Bible very far to see what God can do. If you read very far into it, you'll see stories like Red Sea partings, City walls like Jericho crumbling, giants like Goliath falling, things like the sun standing still, thousands of Philistines being slain with the jawbone of a donkey. Their God was a powerful God, mighty God. He was an unlimited God. He was awesome and marvelous. There are times I think that we need reminded of just how awesome and powerful God really is. But not all the stories in the Bible are so positive and not all are so upbeat. The sad thing is, even for God's people, there were times when things didn't always turn out too well for them. There were times when things didn't turn out like they would have liked it to turn out. Even for God's chosen people, there were some low times and some bad times, times of discouragement, times of failure, and even times that they failed to trust God. I'm going to tell you tonight that every child of God will go through low times. Struggles and difficulties are too common among many of us. Every church will have its low moments. Every individual will go through a valley or two. Every ministry will eventually, sooner or later, go through some hard times. It often reveals what is deep within us and reveals 
maybe the flaws that are in our lives that we need to purify and get out. These hard times, they come, but they don't last. But these hard times are very, very real. And so it was when the ark of God was taken. It was such a low time for Israel. The Ark of the Covenant had been taken and the people were literally dying from grief when they heard the news of the Ark being taken. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, the Bible tells us that the wife of Phinehas was with child and when she heard the tidings of the Ark of God and that her father-in-law and her husband had died, that she bowed herself and pains came upon her. Undoubtedly, the grief and all the stress that came along with the emotional turmoil brought about the labor process. And the scripture says that the woman and the women that stood by her comforted her and told her that she brought forth a man-child. But she was not excited nor thrilled about the birth of a son. And the story goes on to say that she named the child Ichabod, meaning that the glory of God had departed. It seemed like there was no hope, no help, and certainly there was no glory. Stories would be told about how it had been back then. Ichabod would never outlive the memory of his name. When people saw him, they would be reminded that there is no glory in Israel. That the glory had departed. The glory is what separated the Israelites from all of the other people around them. Can I tell you tonight that there is only one thing that separates us from everybody else. And it is called the glory of God. Do you know what made them stand out from all of the people that were around them? What was it that made Israel stand out? What was it that made their armies always stand and be able to be victorious? Do you know what separated them from the Amorites and the Heatites? It was not that they were a people of a particular look. It was not that they had great wealth. It was not the blessings of God upon them. But it was the glory of God that went with them. They all had religion, but Israel had the glory. The Moabites and the Jebusites and the Ammonites had temples. The Edomites had deities and idols. They all had altars. But what was missing with all of them that Israel had was that Israel had the glory of God. Do you know what we need in these last days? Do you know what truly is going to separate all of us today? It is the fact of whether or not we have the glory. Just because we have apostolic Pentecostal across the nameplate of our door doesn't mean that the glory is there. It is through prayer and fasting, ladies and gentlemen. Why do we have a service like we have tonight where people receive their healing and people receive miracles and people are filled with the Holy Ghost before we ever get to the preach word of God? It is that the glory of God is with CLC. Come on, CLC, never take it lightly. You better honor the glory. You better esteem the glory. You better desire the glory. And you better thank Him for the glory. Hallelujah. 
Separation is all about the glory. I know some of you think that our separation is all about how we dress and how we look, how we talk, where we go and where we don't go. But it is far greater than that. It is about the glory. Because if you want the glory, there are some things that you will do and some things that you will not do. Some places you will go and some places you will not go. Because everywhere I go, I want the glory to go with me. I don't ever want the glory to depart from me. I want the glory to go with me. And if the glory is going to go with me, I better make sure I'm going the right place, going the right direction, talking the right talk, saying the right thing, acting the right way. Because everywhere we go, the glory is going to go with us. If not, the glory will depart from us. Nothing else will do. Good music won't do it. Programs won't get the job done. Religion is not enough. Another building is not the answer. There are a lot of churches around us and a lot of beliefs around us in this world. But the lack of the glory of God will absolutely bring this church to naught. This church was founded on the glory. Our revival atmosphere is because of the glory. Don't ever forget what I'm preaching to you tonight. The glory and power of God is unmistakable. You either have it or you don't. Everything we do, I want to please God so the glory stays with us. Every song you sing, I want it to bring the glory in the house. Every instrument played, I want it to bring the glory in the house. Every word spoken in the pulpit, I want it to be honoring God and bringing the glory in the house. We've got to have the glory. Nothing else will do. Dagon had an image in a temple, but he had no glory. Baal had devotees, and they cut themselves, but they had no glory. Bolek had outstretched hands and received little children unto himself, but, but, but there was no glory. There was the golden calf people, but they had no glory. Althena was the goddess of wisdom, but there was no glory. Aphrodite had beauty, but no glory. Apollo offered music and healing, but no glory. Ares offered war and victory, but no glory. Come on, they can say we're missing out on a lot of things but tonight I tell you one thing we refuse to miss out on and that is the glory of God every message I want the glory to fall every altar call I want the glory every song I want sung with the glory of God oh come on somebody thank him for his glory The glory literally means a physical manifestation of God. A physical manifestation of God. I want you to turn to two or three people around you and just say that. I want a physical manifestation of God. That's what we mean when we say the glory. A physical manifestation of God. Do you understand that God is spirit? And there is no form and there is no image except he made himself a body. And he came in the physical manifestation of the man Christ Jesus who knew no sin yet became sin for us. 
He truly was the manifestation of the glory of God. Today, the manifestation of the glory of God comes by His Spirit meeting with us, dwelling among us and dwelling in us. I want more than church. I want the glory. I thank God for truth preaching because it's what brings in the glory. I want more than form and fashion. I want an indisputable move of God. I want a physical manifestation of God when a young man comes and repents of his sins and God fills him with a baptism of the Holy Ghost and he speaks in a language that nobody ever taught him before. That is a miracle in of itself. That is because of the glory. You can't duplicate it. There's nothing you can do. You can't duplicate it. In the Old Testament, they ask. They ask what they could do. In the New Testament, they tried to buy it. But there was no money that can buy it. It is the glory of God that is with us. There are several places in the Bible where it records the glory of God. It appeared unto Abraham in Mesopotamia. It appeared unto Moses at Mount Sinai. It appeared unto Stephen when he was stoned. The twelve spies saw it. When Stephen was being stoned, the glory of God came and he saw him. Imagine what it meant for an Israelite to say, the glory was with us, but the glory has departed. God's glory is a theme that runs through the book of Ezekiel. Glory is an aspect of the character of God. His name alone is glorious. The Spirit of God seems to be featured more prominently in the book of Ezekiel than any other of the prophetic books. One of the first visitations that Ezekiel had portrays the Spirit of God leaving Solomon's temple. I never want the glory of God to leave. But the glory of God left as the Babylonians came and besieged the city of Jerusalem. And the glory was leaving the sanctuary. What a sad place to be in. I never want it to be said of me. The glory has departed from him. The glory has left him. What a sad place to be. The departure of the glory of God signaled an end in the relationship between God and his chosen people. This was happening because his people had despised his laws, had turned aside from worshiping him, had filled the land with violence, and had persecuted his prophets. Today the glory departs because people refuse his ways. God never withdraws unless he is rejected and driven away by the actions of his people. Which is exactly what had happened His people had been stubborn, obstinate, and rebellious. But like Isaiah, Ezekiel was called to prophesy to these people that there was a glorious kingdom that was coming and going to return. And when it did, it would never again be destroyed. The apex of Ezekiel's prophetic vision occurs when the glory of God returns from the east over the Mount of Olives and once again enters into the temple. The scripture says in Ezekiel 43, And the glory of the Lord came into the house by way of the gate whose prospect is toward the east. I want to tell you tonight, 
that when the glory of God leaves, few recognize that it's gone. Few recognize its departure. But when the glory of God returns, everybody knows that the glory of God has returned. Nobody has to tell you there's churches north, south, east, and west, and they, 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 they come together, but they lack the glory. Maybe at one day they had the glory, but could it be that the glory has departed from many? I remember as I read through some of the old history books of how we got to where we were and I remembered some of the denominational churches recording in their history of how people danced before the Lord and was slain in the Spirit and speaking with other tongues but today they don't even want it in their assembly. The glory has departed. When the glory departs it often happens so silently, so gently Because God always walks away painfully. He doesn't run from us. He eases His way out, begging us, calling for us, trying to retrieve us, trying to bring us back to Him, saying, I love you more than you love yourself. Can I tell somebody in this room tonight? That God loves you more than anybody in this world could ever love you. About 19 years ago now, my mother passed from this life. It wasn't until after she passed that the recollection of the deep love that my mother had for me became a reality in my mind. Many times I have looked at my wife and said, I know you love me. And I know my kids love me. And I know the church loves me. But oh, I miss the love of my mother. Because truly it's an unconditional love. You mamas know what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter what your kids do. You still love them. You may not be proud of what they're doing, but you're proud of them. You're proud to be their mama. You love them anyway. Let me tell you about your heavenly father. He loves you even in the middle of your mistakes. He loves you when you can't love yourself. When you are unlovable, He still loves you. When you don't care about you and you think nobody else in the world cares about you, there is a God in heaven that loves you and cares more about you than you could possibly ever care about yourself. He loves you. He's not running from you. When you turn your back on Him, He doesn't turn His back on you. I believe when God walks away from you, He is walking. As a matter of fact, I don't even believe He walks away from you. I believe you walk away from Him. When the writer says the glory departs, I think in fact in the, in, in the modern church that we live today, I think rather than the glory departing, I think it's we depart from the glory. How about that concept that we think about for a little while? There is a point when God is reaching for us, but He's not grabbing us. He's not forcing us. He's not saying, come on, you have to go with me. you got to go with me. After a while, He gives up and He says, go your way. But He doesn't run from you. He doesn't turn His back on you. He allows you to walk away and indeed the glory departs. But the glory departs with mercy calling for you. 
The glory departs with grace calling for you. The glory departs with heaven reaching for you in every way it possibly can. I feel it reaching right now. I feel people in this room that feel like I don't know if anybody really loves me. I want you to know God does. There's more than him that loves you without a doubt, but he loves you more than you even know. He loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And he's reaching for you. And all he's waiting for you to do tonight is begin to say, I need the glory back in my life. I can't keep going the direction I'm going. I need the glory to return. Somebody lift your hands and give God praise. When the glory of God takes its position in the temple, it fills it with His majesty and His power. It proves one thing, that God's presence is once again among His people. And it declares that God has established restoration and has restored fellowship. When David in the house of Israel saw the ark of God returning, they recognized clearly that the glory of God was returning to Israel. I'm not going to be but just a few minutes longer tonight, but I want to tell you that all heaven rejoices when you make the turn back to Him. And there is nothing any greater in the church than for us to see somebody say, come on, glory. Come on back, glory. I'm tired of rejecting the glory. I'm tired of running from the glory. But I welcome the glory. I need the glory. I want the glory. I need the glory. Come on, somebody. I want you to know today that you're not washed up and spent and thrown out. But the glory of God can return back to your life tonight. I read it in my text tonight how that when the glory of God began to return, the scripture said that they that brought the ark, they walked six paces and they set it down. And when they set it down, they intentionally began to worship. (laughs) They didn't wait for anything, they just began to worship. They brought a trumpet player along with them so they could have some music. And the trumpeter trumped. And the people worshipped. They picked up that ark and they walked six more paces. Two, three, four, five, six. What are you doing? The glory is returning to the house of the Lord. One, two, three, four, five, six. What are you doing? Isn't that emotionalism? Absolutely. But I know what's about to happen. The glory is returning. The glory is coming back to Israel. Verse 14 said, David danced before the Lord with all his might. Watch. I'm closing. Verse 15. So David and all the house of Israel 
brought up the ark of the Lord with with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. Brother Brandon, you ought to have your trumpet here tonight. Come on, musicians, get on some, get on some instruments. <laughs> Do I have any shouters in the house? Yes, sir. Do I have anybody that knows how to praise him with a loud voice tonight? Here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to labor long. You've already worshipped. One's been filled with the Holy Ghost. We've already prayed for the sick. But we got a little time left, and we got a little energy left. So here's what I'm going to tell you tonight. If there's one in this room, if there's just one, this 29-minute message will be worth it all. If there's just one in the house that would say, I need the glory. I've been resisting it, but I need the glory. In the next three minutes, we are fixing to just play some music and we're going to shout unto the Lord. And it's your call. If you want the glory, you just need to come back and get the glory back into your life. There's one not even waiting for me to call you. He's already said, I want it. I want it. When Haggai begins to talk about the glory, here's what he said. The glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. Can I apply that to your life? Maybe you've known the glory before, but I want to tell you something. You can be refreshed with the glory tonight, and the glory you receive tonight will be greater than the glory of the former house because the latter will always be greater. Come on in this house right now. If there's anybody that can shout with me, I want you to lift up your voice and shout shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph come on you need to come get the glory come get the glory bring it back into your life yes Worship is the way that the battle 